Welcome to The Leader's Notebook with Dr. Mark Rutland. Dr. Rutland is a world-renowned leadership expert. He is a New York Times best-selling author, and he has served as the president of two universities. The Leader's Notebook is brought to you by Global Servants. For more information about Global Servants, please visit our website, globalservants.org. Here is your host, Dr. Mark Rutland. God is the God of Abraham. We know that. But we must also remember God is the God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Israel. From generation to generation, God is the same, and He's the God of every generation. Hello, I'm Mark Rutland. Welcome to The Leader's Notebook. I'm so glad that you joined us. We're celebrating right at this time for a few weeks in here the one-year anniversary of this podcast. It's been a tremendous success. I'm delighted, and I'm delighted that you uh, are part of this podcast, and we want to celebrate this year with you. As a part of this celebration, I've been interviewing our son, Travis Rutland. He is uh, the pastor, the lead pastor of Restoration Church in Bethlehem, Georgia, but he is also the president of Global Servants, uh, the ministry that I began uh, in 1977, that Allison and I launched in 1977. And then three years ago, I informed the board that I wanted to stand down from being the president. I just wanted to do what I could do to make it rain. Um, but I didn't want to deal with the administrative issues, the leadership overseas, domestically, and the board, not I, the board chose Travis Rutland as the president of Global Servants. So he has been doing both jobs and been doing both very, very well for now uh, three and a half years. Yes, a little more. And, um, and I have invited him. He was here with us last week. If you missed last week's interview, we archive them. I want you to hear it. He dealt with his pastoral ministry. We spent a lot of time talking about some things like uh, what it means to grind it out and pastoring, what it means to deal with that Sunday when you're terrified the parking lot's going to be empty. Uh, we talked about uh, some of the secrets of pastoral preaching. He did a brilliant, brilliant job in that interview. And now today we're going to change gears. We're going to talk about global servants. Travis, welcome Thank to you. the Leader's Notebook. Thank you so much. It's great to be back with you. Glad you're here. Um, you really grew up with global servants. Yes. Uh, everything that I did from the time that Allison and I were, I was still the pastor at a Methodist church in Georgia when we started Global Servants. We called it Trinity Foundation in those days. Right. Um, I, I don't know. Somebody asked me the other day, why did we call it Trinity Foundation? I don't know where foundation came from. <laughs> I, I didn't, I didn't want to name it the Mark Rutland Evangelistic Association. I understand. <laughs> That's right. Good. And, Probably wise, wise decision. And I, I wanted the word Trinity in it because I, I was so used to dealing with Methodists that only had Father, Son, and what's his name. So right. I, <laughs> I wanted, to, I wanted to have the whole Trinity involved. So somehow I came out with Trinity Foundation. Foundation sounds like a good word from the 1970s. That's I think it was a 70s word. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you were two years old. Yeah. So you, you literally grew up with me either pastoring a church or being the president of a university or something. And being the president of Global Servants. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, you went to work for Global Servants uh, when you were in your early 20s. Yeah. I was uh, not quite 22. I was 21 and I went to work in, um, yeah, at, at Global and, and have remained at Global in either a full time or part time uh, ever since. So I'm getting close to have spent 25 years employed uh, with Global Servants. And you're the only employee of Global Servants, including me, you're the only person on the board 
um, in employment or who has ever been employed, including former employees, you're the only one who has ever been to every physical facility we have worldwide. Correct. Probably not just employees. I'm the only person probably in the world that's ever been to every physical. Uh, we've got uh, work in five countries in West Africa and then, of course, work in Southeast Asia. And then before that, work that we don't have anymore. I, I, I'd been to Mexico all those times. We went to India, all of those things. So uh, we even went to I even went to South America with you one time when I was sure. a little boy. So so, yeah, I've been all all over the world. I, I was on every inhabited continent before I turned 18. And and all of those facilities, we have churches in those five countries, in Benin, Cote d'Ivoire, Togo, Burkina Faso, and mostly in Ghana. Mostly in Ghana, yes. And some of those churches are in, well, I should say most of them are in extremely remote places. Correct, yes, very remote. Um, only probably we have, I would say, around 30, 30 to 35 churches spread across those five countries. And I would say maybe only five or six of them, just a handful of those churches are in larger cities or, or towns. Most of them are in remote villages, very rural, very isolated, where maybe the the um, the church itself is the only cinder block building in the entire village. There's no other church. There's no other building other than homes. And those homes, especially in these remote villages, those homes are, are, are mud huts with with grass roofs. So you're talking about the only cinder block and and tin roofing sheet, you know, um, uh, building in the entire village. When we began church building, and, and that's not where we started, um, the, we started uh, in, in Ghana, at least, we started with doing crusades and crusade evangelism, and then we got appeals from uh, the prisons and the police, and, and Sammy right. O'Donoghue, who was our national director, he and I started doing uh, police chaplaincy. Yeah. And there wasn't an official police chaplaincy. There wasn't an official prison chaplaincy. Mm-hmm. And so, for firefighters as well. Firefighter fire, fire mm-hmm. stations. That's and, exactly. and in the prisons themselves. And in the prisons. And we mm-hmm. went from jail to jail, local jails mm-hmm. and state, pr- uh, federal prisons. Mm-hmm. And uh, now there is a, a chaplain's program yeah. for those. But we went to police stations all over everywhere. When we began planting churches... The vision was always, and I don't have anything against it, but a lot of people want to go to Africa and plant a church in, in Accra or Lagos or, or um, Kinshasa or somewhere and, and build a church of 10,000. And I'm in favor of that. I'm not opposed to it. Sure. But that just wasn't what God said to us. Correct. Right. What God said to us was go where nobody else is going. Right. And we built churches and villages. It's not we were the only Protestant church or we were the only Pentecostal church, whatever. Right. The only church in 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 that village. Right. And maybe in a long part of that village, long ways around that. Village. That's exactly right. Not only the only church in that village, but the only church in four or five villages surrounding that village. So yeah, we've we've really gone to to remote, isolated communities and and built those churches, built a home for the pastor. And then um you know, over the last decade or so, we've gone back and done more um ministry uh, in the villages, what we might call more social ministry, social missions. Uh, we've built wells, we've built, uh, we've built, built toilets, um, there, all those kinds of things. So not only have we impacted them from a spiritual aspect through the church, but also through, um, just daily 
stuff that we take for granted, like a place to use the bathroom and, and, and water, things like that, that we, you know, that we take for granted. I, I remember when, uh, after you became the president of Global, I was very uh, impressed and moved that you went through those villages and talked not with just with our pastor, but with the chief or the head man of the village, whoever was in charge there, and said, what can we do for you? Yeah. And their answer shocked us. Right. Their answer was, we we need public toilets. Yes. We don't exactly. have that. And that's just not sexy. It's not fun to talk about. Right. And I remember I told you, I said, son, you are going to have a hard time raising money for toilets. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's true. It's true. But it, they've been a, a huge a huge blessing and and a literally a life a life saving aspect in these villages where these you know you get all kinds of diseases you go out in the middle of the night there's there's you know snakes and all kinds of things in the middle of the night there's also aspects of of violence against women when they're using the bathroom in the middle of nowhere by themselves there's all kinds of things that you just don't think about and you think well aren't there toilets in the houses? And the answer is no, there's not toilets in the houses. There's not running water. There's no public toilets in the village. There's no place. And so you, you really do transform a community through something as simple as, as community toilets. And it's just something that we just, you just don't think about it. And, and it gave our pastors and our churches a level of, of, uh, what's the word of, of prestige, respect? Sure, sure, uh, sure. That they they were the source through which certainly God supplied, but they were the yeah. source through which global servants came and and blessed the whole village with this thing <laughs> that the chief asked for. And uh, you know, I, I think some people say, well, missions should only be about telling people about Jesus. But but I want to say it's a lot easier to convince people that Jesus loves them when you show them tangible ways that Jesus loves them. And I think those toilets are tangible ways to say, we care about you. We care about your kids. We care about your village. We love you. Jesus loves you. We've dug a well. We've built toilets. And I, 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 yes, Jesus loves them. But it's easier to understand that and to really to really get a hold of it when they can see tangible evidence of that. I remember you told me about one village where there was a, a public toilet in the village, but it was only for the Muslims. Correct. And yes. so then... <laughs> You came in and built one. Yes. And so the pastor at the pastor at the village contacted me and said, do we only let Christians use our toilets? And and I told him, no, no, the toilets are for everybody. They're for, so so um, they're they're open to the whole village. So that's that's exactly correct. And he thought that we were supposed to restrict the toilet use to Christians as they had restricted toilet use to, to Muslims. And we well, told that, them, that no, made, it's for everybody. That made a huge theological statement, Absolutely. didn't it? I mean, a spiritual, sure. that's a spiritual statement. Absolutely it is. That, and, uh, and a practical one as well. <laughs> and a practical one as well. So um, how, are you, how are you managing the, the, the leadership aspect? So, so you've got, you've got uh, employees in Thailand. You've got these two girls' homes. I'll come back to that. You've yes. got... Um, 100, 140, 150 girls in two continents. You've got buildings. You've got probably got several million dollars worth of, of buildings worldwide, employees worldwide. You've got a local staff of global servants. You've got a local staff at your church. How, how are yeah. you juggling all that? Yeah, you know, I... Uh... Maybe not as uh, maybe not as well as I would like at moments, but but I I, I think it's important to prioritize your time. Um, I also think it's really really important to um, to hire good, smart, competent staff. Mm. And I think a lot of times pastors are um, pastors are intimidated by people that 
that know more than them or the people that are older than them or have more experience than them. And I just don't think that that's, I just don't, I personally just don't feel that way. I, I know who I am. The board knows who I am. They hired me to do a job and, and I want good, responsible people. Otherwise, I should just do it all myself, but I can't do it all myself. So why hire less than competent employees? So we have great, we have a great team at, at Global Servants. I have a fantastic team at Restoration Church. And uh, I, I saw a movie or a TV show one time and the guy said, if, if you're the smartest guy in the room, find a new room. Mm. And, and I think that's an important thing. I, there's, if I'm the only one coming up with ideas for these two ministries, we're going to be in a lot of trouble. Mm. I mean, so I think it's really important to prioritize your time, to to give adequate time to both ministries and both things, but also to hire really talented, really smart people that can that can do a lot of stuff that you can't do and that have ideas and that and come to the table prepared and all those kind of things. Well, you're several years into it now, and both both ministries are prospering under your leadership, and uh, and that really makes me proud. I'm so pleased with it. Let's talk a little bit about what the Ministry of Global Servants is. Um, it, it began, as I say, I didn't want to name Global Servants, the Mark Rutland Evangelistic Association. Every t- I'd, get in a, I'd get in a small room alone and say that, and it made me giggle. And I, I realized if I, if I couldn't take it seriously, probably nobody else could. You nobody know, else could. I just wasn't ever going to be the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. Right. And so as it evolved and became Global Servants, that actually says what the organization really is. That's yeah. actually the best name for it. Absolutely. And it's, it's our, our, we, we, we really do exist to serve. And uh, a, a word that we've really talked about a lot in the last couple of years is the idea of empowering, that we're empowering these little girls in Southeast Asia. We're empowering girls in West Africa. We're, we're, we, we want to serve you. We, we, we're not coming in and dictating. As I said, you know, I think a lot of times foreign missions agencies and even NGOs, secular NGOs, they just decide what some village needs or what some country needs. And instead, you know, we kind of did a a little bit of a listening tour and we just said to these local pastors and the chiefs in these villages, hey, what do you guys need? And and it, I'm just going to be honest with you, it never dawned on me that they would say community toilets. I just thought they'll, they want tractors or they'll want this or they'll want that. And it never dawned on me as something as simple and relatively inexpensive as a community toilet. And I think that's important. We empower and we serve. That's what well, we let's, do. Let's talk about that for a minute. I, this is probably what I said, talking about public toilets and not a very sexy uh, line of conversation. So suppose I'm listening to this broadcast right now, to this podcast, and I thought to myself, you know, I, I want to empower a village. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I may never go to uh, Bimsi or yeah. uh, some village, you know, west of Bolgatanga. Right. Uh, but, but I, I want to do something. I want to build a, a toilets there and, and let global servants go there and build those toilets. And mm-hmm. what, what could uh, somebody, what, what is that going to cost them? Uh, toilets cost $2,000. It, it is, it, and it is a, it's a two, toilet setup. So it looks like a it looks like outhouses, to be honest. What we would know in America is an outhouse. It's made of uh, concrete block walls. It has a door on the front, ventilation. Uh, underneath it, there's now people say, do these will the toilets fill up? Yes. Eventually they will fill up. I'm, I'm not trying to pretend like these are going to last. There's no running water. So we dig an enormous pit. We line it with concrete block so that the structure doesn't cave in. We build the floor above it. There's a hole in the floor. We put in, um, you know, window, ventilation, a door. And so for $2,000, you basically build a two-seater or a two-outhouse structure. 
for $2,000. And um, you, you can go to Northern Ghana right now and those little structures dot the, uh, dot, dot the, landscape. Dot the landscape throughout <laughs> these remote villages. But uh, they are lifesavers. We put them in different areas of the village so that people don't have to walk far at night. And um, it's, again, inexpensive, $2,000. And and they and last for years. Years. Yeah, yes, 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 yes. I just want to make it, I always like to make it clear. And people ask me, you know, well, I, but we don't, we don't pump them out or anything. There's no septic companies there or anything like that. But we build a lot of them at one time. We're, you're talking about small villages with a few hundred people that live in these mm. villages. Mm. So um, again, they 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 they're going to last somewhere between fifteen and twenty years. So two thousand dollars builds this one double set. Yes. So yes, if somebody wanted to build them one at one end of the village and one at the other end of the village, four thousand yes. dollars they can really take care of a small village. Yes. Uh, yeah. We, we, we would say probably more like about five sets to be, so 10 toilets ten. total. So 10, so five sets would be $10,000. Correct. Yeah, it's $1,000. $10,000. Yeah. $10, and they change the life of a village. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. They do. And, and wells, we, we dig wells there as well. They, they really transform a village also. And, and those wells are in the 10 to $15,000 range. They are not hand dug wells. These are wells. Where we go in with a boring equipment and go way, way, way down hundreds of feet down. And those wells will last 50 years before they go dry. And, and you're talking about transforming again, transforming the life of a village. And put the standpipe on that. And it's, and it is almost certainly the only standpipe in the village. Sure. Sure. Yes, that's right. And they come and, you know, pump it out like you, you see on a documentary or something, as opposed to walking four five, six, ten 10 miles to the local river and back again, which is filthy, which is filthy. And, and, and you have to walk and fill those buckets up and bring them back. So as opposed to having a well in your village that you can, you pump the water right out into a concrete trough. You put your bucket at the end of the trough and for 10 or $15,000, you can provide clean drinking water for a village for, you know, 50 years. And that village is completely clear on the fact that Jesus is behind it, that this is, that the Christian church that sure. is there, this global service church has produced this, that is blessing sure. the whole village. Sure. Muslims, Christians, anybody can use the water, use the toilets, sure. and and it lifts up, it enhances the leadership of that local pastor that we've trained and placed at that church. It's a, it's a comprehensive kind of ministry. And I, I just want to say to you, son, I, it never dawned on me. I never thought of it. When you came back from that listening tour in West Africa and said, that's what we need to do, I, I was pretty shocked. <laughs> yeah. And we've built, we've built, I, I don't know now, I wish I had the number, but a lot, dozens and dozens and dozens of them all over. And uh, it's, it's, it's been a real, it's been very, very gratifying to do something that has, that means so much to so many people and that, and that really, you know, transforms lives. And it's what they ask for. That's yes, the main thing. Yes, they, yes. They go to the chief of the village and say, what can we do for you? And he says, toilets. Yeah. Well, yeah. I just not, just not an answer I expected. Absolutely. So you, you, as you going back to your original question, you're living out that, that name. We are global servants and this is how they said we could serve them. So this is how we're serving them. I guess our most comprehensive and most expensive work and the work that we're the best known for is the two houses of grace. Yes. Uh, so um, House of Grace Thailand is the largest and old, uh, larger and older of the two, 120 girls, something like that, 14 buildings on two campuses. Yeah. It's a, it's a multi-million dollar 
world-class girls' home. Absolutely, absolutely. And then uh, the new one, which you're building and uh, and uh, expanding so rapidly, tell us about the whole compound in Kumasigana, everything that's on that compound, because our, that's really quite a sure. substantial mission compound. Sure. Our headquarters are uh, in Kumasi, Ghana, and uh, we have a, a large facility there, land-wise, a large facility. So we have a we have a daycare. We have a three-story school. Between the daycare and the school, the school goes up to eighth grade. We have currently three to 400 kids in that school. I mean, it's big. So, and daycare goes from little babies all the way up to the eighth grade. We have a church on that compound. We also have our national director's home uh, where the national director lives. We also have a uh two-story or three-story dorm building. We just finished the new dorm for brand House new. of Grace Ghana. It brand is new. beautiful. It's brand new. And I can't remember if it's two stories or three. I think it's three stories. And uh, that will uh, accommodate 30 girls. So that's going to be our capacity there on the girls' home. It's about 30. And then there's an additional building for auxiliary staff and for um, teams that visit and all of those things in addition to a large garden. We grow a lot of the food there. Um, that with, with the school, there is a cafeteria. There's a science lab. Um, there's uh, there's a performing arts uh, kind of auditorium on the bottom floor. I mean, it's it's amazing, and uh, it's it's an amazing facility that really has has um, seen wonderful growth over the last say twenty years. Um, I, I just got a fascinating and inspiring report from uh, the school there. It's Katie Franklin School. Yes. And yes. Uh, named for Jensen Franklin's uh, mother. Yes, Free Chapel helped us build the, the daycare, the daycare facility. And that mm -hmm. was a big investment from Free Chapel. And um, I just got a, a great report from the school, the K through eighth grade. Mm -hmm. At the end, and, and correct me if I get this right, I got this from, uh, from Tyler, so one mm -hmm. of your employees. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the eighth grade, Every child in Ghana takes a test. Right. And that test, what you score on that test determines whether or not the government will allow you to go on an education. Right. And if, if you do, where you have to go. They assign you. Correct. To the school. Because right. they still, because they were a British colony for so many years. So they follow the British boarding school model. So almost all children go away to boarding school in, in high school. If they pass that eighth grade yes. test. Yes. And he said that the, the pass rate nationwide is 30%. Mm. 30% of the Ghanaian eighth graders pass that test. Mm. And our eighth graders, a hundred percent, a hundred percent of them Correct. pass that test. Correct. Yes, yes, yes. I, I was there to dedicate the science lab about two years ago now, maybe three years ago. And uh, we uh, some newspaper guys were there from the uh, the local um, or the national news um, and he was taking some pictures and talking, interviewing me, interviewing Sammy and some different things. And he said, this guy was from the newspaper. He was a journalist. And he said, I've been to dozens of school dedications and openings all over the country. He said, I've never seen a science lab at any school I've ever been to ever. And he said, this is maybe nicer than some of the science labs at some of the private colleges and things. He said, I've never seen a, a school, a local school with a science lab. So we're it's we're really investing in the next generation 
Again, empowering them. Education is the key to transforming a, a nation. And uh, we're really investing in that in, in West Africa and in, and in Thailand. Our girls in Thailand from House of Grace, they go on to be all kinds of things. Doctors, nurses, lawyers, teachers, a number of them work for NGOs that are uh, combating child uh, human trafficking, all those things. So we're, we're, we're changing the nation through, through education. We had this little uh, phrase, uh, Travis, that we, we started when we opened house of the first House of Grace in Thailand in 1986, came up with this phrase. In fact, uh, your sister Rosemary yeah. is who came up with the phrase, saving little girls for big destinies. Yeah. And we still use it, and that is what we're doing. And those big destinies, we take in little girls who are at risk of uh, sexual exploitation, child prostitution, or um, just even um, sexual oppression in their local village, right. remote villages in the mountains of Thailand, remote villages in northeast Ghana. Mm -hmm. And those little girls, orphans or functional orphans, maybe the father is still alive, but he's in the penitentiary or something. Yeah. And we are transforming their lives and through them transforming the culture. Yeah. And, and the lives of their family and their villages. And I mean, it's 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 an amazing it's been an amazing thing to watch since the late 80s in, in Thailand and in the last, say, mm, I guess, 12, 12 to 15 years in, in Ghana, I guess maybe 10, 10 to 12 years we've had House of Grace Ghana. And now we're seeing it expand and even more girls coming in. And then, you know, we've got, I guess, 30 years in Thailand. And to see those girls who came in, they're now my age or older and yep. to see that what they've done and to see the families that they've built and the legacy that they have left. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's very gratifying. That is gratifying. And you're continuing the work and continuing to expand it, which I'm, I'm really delighted for. Um, so uh, let, let's suppose somebody is listening right now and they're hearing the work and ministry of global servants, tell them where they can find out more about it, what they can, uh, learn where they can learn about everything that Global Servants does. Sure, they can uh, they can access the uh, the website. I guess is a great place to start. It's simply globalservants.org, uh, and uh, and they can find out more about. Um, for example, our, our girls' homes, we didn't touch on this, but our girls' homes, uh, the, every girl at the home has a sponsor here in the U.S. Yes. And so you can sponsor a girl. It's $100 a month. Uh, that's all-inclusive. That provides all their school fees, books, clothes, food, everything that they need. $100 a month, you can become a, a child sponsor. Um, one of the things that we do that sets us apart is we only have one sponsor per girl. So not that anybody that does it differently is bad or something. It's just that that's the way we do it. And it, 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 um, it builds um, a level of relationship between mm. the child and the, and the sponsoring family back mm. in the States. We sponsored a girl, uh, Courtney and I for years, I guess, 15 years until she graduated. And, and uh, whenever I go to Thailand, she comes and hugs me and she's graduated now and has a job and has her own apartment and all these wonderful things. But she still comes back to see me and it, and it builds a level of intimacy and relationship mm -hmm. that you might not have with other things. So there's there's the ability to do child sponsorship in both West Africa and Thailand. Um, there's there's the ability to learn more about what we're doing in villages. Um, there's there's the ability. Look, if, if somebody says, well, we want to build a church. 
We have villages that want churches, so we can we can build a church. We can dig wells. We can we can. There's all kinds of ways you can help. You can help the the uh, girls' homes, but you say, look, we don't want to be a sponsor. We have a program for that as well, where you can where you can give and and connect with the girls' homes either in Ghana or or Thailand. But you say, I, I don't want to take on that responsibility of being a sponsor. There's a lot of ways for you to get involved, for you to serve, um, as you know, as 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 COVID recedes and we the world goes back to normal, there's there's ways for you to go and and serve on a uh, a short term team that might be going to West Africa or going to Thailand. Mm. We have we have ways for you to do medical missions. If maybe you're in the health health field, healthcare field, and you want to do that, we have dentists that go and do dental work on the girls and work in villages and and all kinds of ways. So we're uh, I like global servants because we're we're not. Um, so rigid that there's only one way to serve. Mm. This is the only way that you can do it. Nothing wrong with that again, but I like the fact that we have a lot of different opportunities and options for people to explore a lot of different of their giftings and their passions. I'm, I'm passionate about this. All right, we can, we can plug you in there. Well, I'm, I'm gifted at that. Well, we can plug you in there. So I, I, that's that's what I'm most proud of. And, and there's a lot of ways for people to get involved. So the we have a toll free number. They can find that on the website, but globalservants.org, O-R-G. And they can get all the information, contact the Global Servants office and and learn more about where and how they can serve and get involved. And start to receive. Uh, I love your uh, quarterly magazine. Yes, you do yeah, quarterly. Or? That's correct. The magazine goes out four times a year. They can get it's that. Called, called We Serve. Yep, We Serve magazine. They can. They, there's an article from you, an article from me, and then there's a lot of information in every one about. We have alumni from House of Grace that write articles about where they are now and how mm. House of Grace changed their lives, and they can learn more about you know new books you have coming out and all kinds of things. So the magazine goes out four times a year, and and they can sign up for that also. And and again, all of that available on the website. Wonderful. Yeah. Travis, congratulations, son. Uh, I certainly am proud of you as your dad, but I'm, I'm proud of how God is using you in, in multifaceted ministry to pastor Restoration Church uh, in Bethlehem, Georgia, and to be the president of Global Servants International. I'm proud of you. Congratulations. You. You're doing a great work, a great ministry. And, and uh, I'm neither a prophet nor the child of a prophet, but Thank I will you. tell you for you personally— and for the ministries, I, I truly believe the best is yet to come. Thank God, you. God is going to open some tremendous doors. Thank you for both of you, you and the ministries. Thank you. Well, I'm I'm pleased and and honored, and I'm so proud to continue the work that you and Mom started almost 45 years ago. And it it uh, I hope that I can uh, continue to build on the wonderful foundation that you guys have uh, have laid over the years. And I love you, and I appreciate you, and I'm I'm proud to do the work of Global Servants. We're proud of you too, Travis, and we love you. And I'm so glad that you joined us today on this podcast episode of. Uh, of the Leader's Notebook. I want you to stay tuned now. We're having these special podcasts as a part of our one-year anniversary of the podcast, The Leader's Notebook, and I want you to get this special offer. I want to bless you with it, and I pray that it will be a blessing to you. Thank you again for joining us on The Leader's Notebook. I'm Mark Rutland. God bless you. You've been listening to The Leader's Notebook with Dr. Mark Rutland. In celebration of the one-year anniversary of The Leader's Notebook, please visit the store at drmarkrutland.com. Enter promo code ANNIVERSARY25 to receive 25% off your order. Thank you for listening to The Leader's Notebook.